once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Barretos. This is episode 163. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, senores y senoras of our little podcast here is we're going to get more regular. Everything is brewing. European leagues will all be illuminated this week. We've got a lot going on the back end of the summer. We have a World Cup to talk about. We have the League's Cup. We have some USMNT games on the horizon in September and the rest of the MLS season. But we talk about everything. And uh, we'd love to get your help. And we appreciate all those who have tuned in on a regular basis. We try to keep the standard up. I think we have. I'll let you be the judge of that. But leave us a comment on our social media handles at mbredos on Instagram, on uh, Max Bredos Sports on X slash Twitter, which still has not gotten a lot of clarity, no? But there, I'm not going to waste our time with that right now. We have a great show here. We're going to go double barrel with our coverage, the League's Cup, front and center, Lionel Messi, the tournament that's brought in two leagues together, has been entertaining and uh, controversial. We will have Eric Krakauer and Lloyd Sam, to me, maybe the best young duo on the Apple TV circuit of broadcasters, two guys that I'd be happy to pass the mantle on down to. They remind me a lot of me, the way they call games which could be good or bad for them. I don't know. But we will talk to them about Messi, the future of the League's Cup, VAR, uh, a lot to absorb. But it's a, we've had the conversation. I think you will enjoy it. Stick around for that in the business end, in stoppage time. One of my favorite stories of the year. Some people are up in arms about Moises Caicedo setting a British transfer record and going to Chelsea and the means that it happened. I say look at a little bit closer. What we're seeing here is just a romantic, beautiful scene between the unlikeliest player to set that transfer record coming to a club that he always adored and the means of which it happened. It's really interesting. Uh, I'll discuss it. Stick around a little bit later on stoppage time, but we're ready to go. Let's get started on a new episode. Quick little thing here. I uh, tr- I couldn't watch the Women's World Cup semifinal. It started at 3 a.m. I just can't sabotage my day with regards to sleep. But Fox has been showing it at around 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. So I get up for that, try and avoid social media, which I couldn't this time because I had to go on to X to see something. And I saw the results. And obviously the USW... Uh, national team, USWNT. It's great. so hard to say when I say USMNT so much. The women's the women's team disappointed about how things ended. We talked about that. Check out uh, check out my videos on YouTube under my name Max Bretos. Two videos that have performed very well about my thoughts about the demise of the women's team and how I feel like it's going to be here for a little bit. And it's not so much the demise, but it's also the rise of the rest of the world. But take a listen to that. I think you'll enjoy it. We have a new video out right now, just published, about Messi in the League's Cup. We'll talk about that a little bit here with Eric Krakauer, who's been on the pod before. First time for Lloyd Sam. You're going to love Lloyd. He is absolutely delightful. Former player who is now a broadcaster. You, you won't hear anyone like him. He brings a unique style, and I'm very excited for his future. As for Eric, so stick around for that. But you can check out the video uh, we, I, it's there. The video on YouTube is different than the conversation we're going to have. How, how about, how about if I put it that? So if you have enough time, you can listen to both, do it, or you can do the video right now, maybe do the podcast a little bit later. So the U S women are out. Uh, I, I'm sure many of you have known this, who've listened to me or know me. I grew up in Australia as a kid from five years old to 12. So I, I support Australian sports. I I didn't watch the Ashes cricket, but I watched the lengthy highlight 15-minute shows every day. Um, Australia retained the Ashes, although England played better. But Australia, we hate England, right? So my my sporting hate for England began in Australia, and it's picked up in the U.S., although we're not direct rivals to England. Australia truly are in sport, and it's cricket that pushes it. In case you didn't know, the Ashes is this old competition, uh, this antiquated competition that goes back. Uh, has a very controversial and uh, nasty history in many ways. 
and also a beautiful one. So Australia's retained it. And uh, then you have the Rugby World Cup coming up. I'm excited about that. If you get a chance to watch the Rugby World Cup, I know I'm going off on a tangent, but you know that's what I do. The opening game is probably your final. France, New Zealand, that's the opening game. They're in the same group. So watch the, the Rugby World Cup. Here's something else that I would suggest you watch the Rugby World Cup. Watch this Fijian team. This is the maybe the best Fijian team they have had. And they're really well coached. They have kept some of their players. So you know, uh, Fiji gets raided for so much of their talent. And a lot of the players end up playing in New Zealand or <laughs> Australia or France or many of the European countries. Um, but now they're keeping some of the top talent. And uh, I'm excited about the Fijians. I think they make a quarterfinal and they'll be, they're not going to make a semi, but we'll see. But I think France is the host and they will win it. Okay. I hope Australia does well. But Australia could face England. Australia is in the group with Fiji and Wales. So Australia, Fiji will be interesting. But Australia played England, second women's semi final. Uh, Australia didn't play the way they did. I was very disappointed to see how that ended up. I'm, I'm, they, they showed some pride, and Sam Kerr got the equalizing goal, but the English playing their best soccer of the tournament, as are the Spaniards. That is your Women's World Cup final. I think that's awesome to have a World Cup final where both participants have never been there before. That is growth of the women's game. Uh, I picked Spain from the beginning, so I'm going to stick with that, although my, my, my brain says England looked like they're poised to take it. They really do. But that's going to be a good showpiece event. And the Women's World Cup getting great ratings, so to speak. I mean, they are getting good ratings. You know, like 3 million viewers, 2.5 million viewers for games in the middle of the night. That's really good. That's more than what most people are watching in other soccer, right? We don't get those viewerships for Premier League. We don't get those viewerships for Liga MX. We don't get in the United States. We don't get viewership for that on anything. Champions League. We did get it for World Cup action. Obviously, uh, once every four years is a big part of it. So I think Fox will be happy, especially knowing that they didn't get the, the draw from the women's team from the quarterfinals on. So uh, disappointing to see that end, but ha very happy for Australian sport. It's, it, 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 there's a movement there where soccer will become the most popular sport. Traditionally, it's AFL, Australian rules football, then rugby and cricket. I mean, cricket, everyone follows it all over the country, but not everyone plays it at that level. Uh, there's more participation in Australian rules and then rugby. But soccer is going to blow them all out of the water on the men and the women's side. And we're going to see growth from the sport there. Uh, they did a great job hosting this World Cup along with our trans-Tasman friends in New Zealand, even though they're very far away. But close enough. It's very isolated down there. And uh, we look forward to that final. So a lot going on. Um, the Premier League happened. I, I got to say this, and I, I, I say it a little bit in the conversation with Eric and Lloyd, I watched, I actually watched the Real Madrid game, going to La Liga, which also started this past weekend, the Real Madrid game, the Barcelona game. The Barcelona game was an absolute train wreck in what I'm about to talk about. I saw three Premier League games. I saw the extended highlights of about five others. It seemed like every game was affected by officiating and VAR. The Barcelona game was a train wreck and one of the worst things I've ever seen with officiating, there was about 30 minutes of stoppage time combined. I don't want that. You don't want that. VAR is out of control. I support VAR. I understand it's here. But we've got to do a better job. And then we all saw the situation with uh, Andre Onana of Manchester United just barreling through this Wolves player and not getting a penalty even though they reviewed it. It's a mess, man. And it's been a mess at uh, the League's Cup. It's been messy. <laughs> In the League's Cup. So officiating is becoming, we're talking more and more about it. It's become a bigger role. And we can't. we got to talk less. And the officials know that. But VAR has made their job more difficult. It's complicated things. And I'm, you hold your breath now. Because what I saw in the English game, I mean, every game had problems. And there was like three or four where the officials complete, the lead referee lost control. Can't have that. Can't have that. And it's, to me, it's the big <clears throat> brother... <laughs> eye in the sky of VAR that is causing that. But we'll deal with it. We still love the sport. Plenty to talk about. I'm going to 
pivot here and we're going to get into our conversation. We'll get into the business end. Stick around for stoppage time. A few thoughts about Moises Caicedo. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Right now, Eric Krakauer and Lloyd Sam, Apple TV broadcasters, join me in the business end. Back here in the Soccer OG, it's time for the business end and... Well, we have two great guests here, two guests that know each other very well. I, I am looking forward to fortifying my relationship with Lloyd Sam. Eric at Krakauer goes, we go back a little bit, but I don't get to see him as much as I would like. So I'm jumping at this opportunity to have them both on here. They're a broadcast uh, partnership and on Apple TV with not only MLS, but in League's Cup, but also uh, doing a lot of the content with Charlotte FC, The Crown, which are getting more and more status and had a really nice run in uh, the uh, league's cup. You guys have to be pretty pumped about that. I'll start with you, Eric, but was that unexpected a quarterfinal appearance for Charlotte FC in in a tournament that had some unexpected runs, including our finalists? Yeah, I think so. First of all, great to be on your show. Once again, it's been a while. Yeah. I would say Eric has been on this show once again. And I think he was my first guest. (laughs) No way. Okay. First or second, my friend. Yeah. It was around about there. Um, it, was it a little bit of a surprise? Yes, it was an opportunity for the club to hit the reset button. You know, not doing particularly well in the East. A really leaky defense, but part of that was because of all the injuries. And it just seemed that players were getting healthy as the League's Cup was kicking off. They were also getting new signings, like uh, Brecht de Yagra, who everyone is going to have a lot uh, of trouble pronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> de Agra, I got it, finally. <laughs> it was, was, was that a, a, a an area of tension there, Lloyd? <laughs> no, no. To be fair, I, I shouldn't interject this early. But there was literally a game where I couldn't say his name. It was against Dallas, and we we're talking about the new signing. And I started off a sentence, and in the booth, I was like, "Yeah." And their new number ten, and I've tapped Eric, and he said Diagora. And then I continued my sentence. And then I had to say it again, and I had to tap Eric again. It was a hilarious commentary, man, seriously. But yeah. It's a common so, occurrence. So. <laughs> well, let me let me give you guys a compliment. And Lloyd, I'll say this because uh, I, I listen to your broadcast. And first of all, you two remind me a, a little bit of me. You're so enthusiastic in there. Oh, yeah. You're having fun. And I, and I would I think when I say that, you, you people think, oh, everyone does that. And I go, and I'm like, there's different styles but the, the enthusiasm comes through with you guys but I guess Lloyd in that case yeah. because you guys have been working so much and you've come through together in many ways with Charlotte and with Apple TV there's this process of looking out for each other no as was the case there yeah I mean I think it's been a journey it's been a journey where we're constantly talking about how we want to do things you know and how we want to sometimes it, it, we get a little bit of a brotherly rivalry which we're trying to keep <laughs> which we're trying to keep off the broadcast but sometimes it makes for fun moments so we're always trying to find the balance you know um yeah he had my back with the correct diagra pronunciation now he can't say it enough <laughs> I, 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 finally, I finally got it i can't wait to hear i'm a commentator say it but max no exactly what you said i mean you're one of the more looser ones so i always enjoy <laughs> enjoy to hear that but the thing about loose commentators as well is like if someone hears a loose commentator for the first time they're like oh what is this oh and they're like so worried and then you know you hear it a few times and you're like oh next bretos is really fun after but sometimes you might hear it first time and you might be used to the older style of commentary where it's like you know we're trying to break down barriers i'll say all three of us are kind of in that boat with that so Stick i think <laughs> I, I, I appreciate what you do, man. I, I sent you the message about that goal call. Yes, sir. For, I remember that was, was awesome. It, no one does goal calls like that. You literally made a noise and it was like, oh, oh, oh or something. <laughs> and I was like, who does a goal call like that? It's refreshing to hear something, you know, a little different. So I appreciate what you do as well. You know, let me just jump in real quick because I think this is a fascinating topic. And Lloyd and I, as you can imagine, Max, talk about this all the time because we spend a ridiculous amount of time together. That's where the I'm envious. I am envious of you guys that you have each other. I really <laughs> am. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we really lucked out. You know, we lucked out. First of all, Charlotte FC lucked out when, when I got hired, you know, and I heard Lloyd's commentary on the Canada game. 
I was I was really um, determined to get the club to go and get Lloyd because I knew he was going to break barriers in, in, in this business. And, you know, because he's a guy who's not afraid to be himself. And by the way, I'm going to say nice things about Lloyd today, which will, will sound a little bit foreign to him because he, he always says I try to drag him down, which I do sometimes. But, <laughs> but you know, and, and one of the things that one of the reasons I wanted Lloyd was because I knew he wasn't going to be afraid to be himself. And Max, you and I have had this conversation. I remember one time you, me and Drake Cordero were having beers in the parking lot of like a grocery Car store in Miami at one o'clock in the Ale house, which was close. I'm having beers, I'm having beers here. No, 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 no. And we were okay. talking about wow. this. We were talking about this topic about, about in some ways deviating from what is the norm and also benefiting from the fact that there are looser parameters in the United States. But even English commentators, as Lloyd pointed out to me the other day, are beginning to loosen up. So I think I, I think it's a direction the commentary is going in, and I think that's good for the sport in the English language. So is the designation loose commentators? Is that what we're cl classifying? <laughs> you know, those guys are a little bit loose. <laughs> uh, I'm all right uh, with Loose it. is good, though. Lo I'm loose all right is good. With it. <laughs> you, as the years gone on, everybody's been loosening up when I listened to commentary. It was a bit stiffer as a whole at the beginning, and then you hear it now. I feel like everybody's loosening up a little bit and, you know, I, I feel like it makes for better commentary. Can't be too loose, though. There is, no, there no. is a line where it could be too loose. It's yes. like, you know, <laughs> understanding you your role at the right time. It's okay to be loose. Don't be too loose. <laughs> Don't be too loose. <laughs> in fine print. Don't be it's too fine. loose. It's, it's small in fine print. I like that. Yeah, you don't so, need to see that part. Uh, well, oh, I'd love to sit here and talk about us in Charlotte FC, <laughs> but we, I also I, I want to talk about this league's cup, we've all been able to participate in it. It's been an exciting uh, run. Well, I'm, I'm, don't let me say that, but how exciting the excitement obviously brought in by Lionel Messi. Taking Lionel Messi out, which is very difficult to do, and the excitement brought in by constant MLS versus Liga MX, which is, you know, I mean, we see it, but not like this. And I, I, I'll put it this way, you know, covering MLS as long as, as I have and July games roll around they're they're not really heard you put them aside it's like you wait till things get more important they're not there's no urgency mm. and that really changed so uh how would how did you as whole before we kind of dive into some of the more specific topics how did you see League's Cup as uh as an improvement as something with with staying power perhaps as something that uh um, can bolster the profile of uh, Major League Soccer and hopefully Liga and Mackey's. Uh, Lloyd, you want to start? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Man, it, it, honestly, coming up and coming into it, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, there was a lot of talk and, you know, it was hyped up a little bit, but you didn't know how the players and the managers were really going to take it. You didn't know if they were going to say, OK, we want our strongest teams or we were going to use it to get right. So it was kind of a wait and see for me because I was like, mm, what's it going to be? I mean, then you get the messy, you know, announcement coming in and that just kind of blows everything out where now there's just eyes on it. And from, from, ev from everyone, obviously the whole world is going to want to see that. Then you get into it and some of the, the games have, have been unbelievable. The drama in the games, the late drama, you know, the messy drama. The drama that didn't involve Messi as well. It was just like there was so much, so much going on. You didn't really want to miss a game. And the Nashville game last night, shout out to Nashville, really good performance that whole game. That was a grand. Um, and someone said after uh, one of the team, it might have been Taylor or Moedu or, or even Jake, was like, this is the biggest win in their history. And, and that, tells, that tells, if that's even being said, you know, obviously, that can be debated, but that means the tournament is, is is up there already. You know, if people are even talking like that, so uh, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch, man. So I, I've really enjoyed it. Obviously, the final is going to be great, and I, I feel next year it's not even going to be the wait and see kind of vibe before because you already know, you know, Liga MX teams are going to come in fierce and ready. MLS teams are going to be fierce and ready, and, and it's going to be fun for the years to come. Yeah, I, I agree. Now that we, we've gotten a dose of the tournament, we sort of know what to expect. I think yeah. the biggest question going into the League's Cup 
was how seriously both MLS and Liga Mekis sides were going to take the competition. But when you attach, you know, CONCACAF Champions Cup uh, berths to, to, the, to the tournament, as well as a, a significant purse, and then you add the Messi factor, which obviously elevated the tournament, not just in terms of name and brand recognition, but with his performances as well. Mm. Everybody is going to have, their eyes on on the prize here, and you know, uh, but I, I think Max, you touched on a really important point, and that is there is a tendency to take your eye off the ball when it comes to MLS in the summer. There are a lot of games; it's a grind, uh, a lot of positions to get into the playoffs, and then you know that's when people really start paying uh, attention back uh, to to league play. So this was a nice interregnum. Uh, the the competition was brilliant. You could sense that there was some acrimony because Mexican teams didn't feel like they were getting uh, correct VAR calls. I think (laughs) a lot of teams could have made that argument, and we saw that again (laughs) last night. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And and Lloyd, you mentioned it because you said it was this important game for Nashville, but this is the most important game for Inter-Miami coming up. Mm. I, I did LAFC Juarez, the Bravos of Juarez. When when Juarez was here, and you know, you, it doesn't really register because you don't. I don't see them as often. You could make an argument that was the biggest game in their history, even in the round of thirty-two, because they don't have uh, that kind of pedigree. And oh, they were yeah. the, okay. they were they, they were talking about it. I mean, Charlotte FC in the quarterfinals. That is, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you could put that above their first game or whatever, but it's kind of pushing it where you have these yeah. teams. Uh, There's so. And, and to your point, Eric, about how, how how seriously it was taken, everyone took it seriously for all the reasons you said. I would add, nobody wants to be knocked out early and sitting at home training nonstop. Mm. And, and then the other thing is, every one of these Liga Emekis teams wanted a shot at Messi, and none of them got it. None of them. Mm-hmm. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's got to be, that's got to oh, be yeah. haunting them a little bit, certainly as a league, because that's like, a, that's clout. That's a, an opportunity to, to get a shot there and that's going to make huge waves in Mexico and it was missed. Maybe they get it next year. It's, um, Cruz Azul. I, I, Cruz Azul. Oh, sorry. Cruz Azul did. Cruz Azul did. At the first Only game. team. Yeah. 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 Uh, at team. the beginning. Uh, when no one really knew what was going on, but in the business, end, yeah, not yeah, as much, true. but, uh, but that, I'm, I'm trying to cover up for the fact that I forgot Cruz Azul, but thank God Lloyd is here. Go <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep you honest. Uh, uh, ask Eric. some of the things Lloyd I'll ask you because you people want to we all curious what it would look like I don't know if it's going to change next year and uh but you know there are some there there are some adjustments that could be made obviously uh having some games in Mexico I would I mean I would I would say maybe they could do like group stage games at the very least which are predetermined what would you like to see about uh some if there are some changes there or maybe not changes but some amplifications if that's a word. If they're going to continue doing it in the U.S., what you just said, I, I was just thinking that, you know, maybe the group stage uh, in in one place or one country and then go, the Mexican team's got to be home at some point. You yes. can't go into a semifinal and have national away, like at a semifinal. It's, that's tough. Like, that's what's got a great atmosphere. The players, you know, you, you just come out of your house, you drive that. It's very difficult. A team has been on the road. Think about how long they've been on the road for. They've been over here flying to different games. That is that is really tough. So it's like, you know, not that I want to harp on about that, but it's it's a hard thing for footballers to do. Can they make that a little more? Like even things I was thinking about was like, even if it is in the US, does it have to be at National Stadium? Can it be at a new? Sure. But then, but then I guess they want the fans as well. I don't know if the league MFS teams are splitting some of the gate receipts or something. I just don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. So, you know, I would have imagined there would have been more complaints than there has been as well about the playing in another country thing, but there hasn't. So what is, what, what, what is going on behind the scenes? What are they actually getting to agree with that? It, it feels like that. I don't know. Maybe, you know, more Max, but it's <laughs> well, hard to speak on. Yeah, I know. And Monterey played seven away games and they, you know, uh, Tato Noriega complained about it, which he should have, you know, it's very difficult. And they, they were all over the place. Seattle, Salt Lake, Portland, Houston, Nashville, LA. Yeah. Uh, at least they got to see our wonderful country. 
But I mean, but Monterey's not far from Houston. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you play them there, and I don't know. Uh, Eric, anything Something like top, that? Yeah. Yeah. Something anything like off that. the top of your head? I mean, I, I and I, again, guys, it was really good. I don't know if you changed too much. It's just maybe some logistics. Yeah. I, I think you've you've basically covered. Look, the issue is, and and Lloyd and I saw this firsthand because we called Pumas Querétaro. I was actually a little bit surprised that very few Pumas fans showed up in Washington, D.C. for for this match, perhaps because they, they thought that they were going to make easy work out of Querétaro, but Querétaro got the upset and then almost upset uh, Philadelphia as well after that. So I, I think the, the, the issue might be that the smaller teams, the Juarez's, for example, aren't going to get the draw uh, in, in terms of attendance. Uh, but other than that, I, I think that when you have – um, this sort of nascent kind of competition. You let it play out for a little while longer before making revolutionary changes. I think that's very fair. Because it's like, like everyone's like, oh, let's, like, I would say, let's change this. And I go, wait a minute, this was pretty good. And the one <laughs> thing I noticed, I was afraid there were going to be these empty stadiums. And there were a couple times, but not, not that often. I mean, they were just generally well attended with MLS fans or League MX fans. You never, you would see once in a while, but it was, people were saying it was going to be one after the other. And it wasn't. I thought there was, uh, they they got people out to these games. Max, I just want to say something. Really, we have to ask League MX fans. I, I think you ask us, with, you know, you have to ask them. And, you know, every now and then I've gone on to like uh, social media and I've had to uh, look at maybe the League's Cups uh, page or the Liga Emekis page, and I've gone to translation to see what people are saying sometimes. And I think they have a lot more to say than what we have to say. So that would be, I would love to ask and say, what would you suggest? And then hear what they say. I feel like that would be probably a more fair thing. Like we're going to commentate and enjoy these games. Shout out Querétaro as well, because they, yeah, they, weren't, they, weren't meant, they, they weren't meant to go as far as they went. And after they beat Pumas, they beat New England. And then they had Philadelphia and it went right to the last second in that game as well. And that's the lowest budget team in both of the leagues. So it's like, wow, that, that was a real story for them. Uh, I should check their social media next actually and see what's going on over there. Yeah. And actually the, <laughs> the, the ugly stepbrothers, if you will, of Cholos, right. With the, with the, with the same ownership. So I think there's a lot mm. about Querétaro that makes it a and really they beat interesting them. story and, and, and them they beat well. them. They beat them yeah. in that last group game, uh, 1-0. Mm. And, and this is a club that almost ceased to exist because of the violence a couple of years ago, March 2022, right. I believe, in the, in the stadium. Uh, but there was a point that I wanted to jump on. Oh, uh, most, of, most of the complaints that I've read from Liga Mekis fans has been about refereeing. And mm -hmm. some of the complaints have actually been, you know, a little bogus, like Philadelphia's game-winning goal against Quereto, which was perfectly onside, but they've sort of skewed the lines in various oh, yeah. <laughs> various accounts. But we're also discovering that there are a lot of analysts out there, analysts, who seem to not know some of the rules of this game as well, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah? You want to name names? Uh, no. He, he already put his – Eric already put that out there. I appreciate that. Those are some strong comments. But I'm uh, going to hold down my analysts here. You, you, you I know. the two play-by-play -play guys. You wasn't talking players. about you, Lloyd. I don't think so. <laughs> not you, Lloyd. Not you, Lloyd. <laughs> it's uh. When do we get I, into the VAR bit? Because we got to talk about that one last night with Alex Muir, you know, yeah. running by with with the shot. That was an interesting one where it was like me and Eric went back and forth on that a few times. And well, let's let's talk I'll wait about till that. We get there. Oh, well, okay, let's talk. But I, I I will say. The one thing about Querétaro, I mean, by the way, the way Philadelphia played, I almost wish Querétaro made the semifinal. Maybe would have had a better game than uh, <laughs> what was peculiar. Because we'll, we'll talk about Messi and we'll in incorporate that as well. But that was a huge event for Querétaro. And you, we talk about Liga Emekis fans, and that'd be a great idea to have a roundtable where everyone fleshes out all this stuff. But the engagement was there. It wasn't like people in Mexico turned off and said, I'm going to have a vacation. I'm not watching League's Cup. They watched and they were engaged and they argued yeah. and they, they complained rightfully or incorrectly <laughs> many times. But, you know, the, the, the officiating was there and people were saying, you know, the, the crazy stuff, this is skewered towards Messi, this is skewered towards MLS, or maybe it's skewered towards League MX. But there were the calls, I mean, with me, the uh, I wish the implementation, I, 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 I'm a, a proponent of VAR, 
and I just wish the, the realm of things that they would uh, put under the microscope was there's less of it in, in some ways. I mean, the feet of the goalkeeper on the line, it is pretty explicit. I wish that was uh, before that uh, America Nashville game that it, we didn't have a full celebration for three minutes before it was determined. That's the kind of stuff they really need to work on. Uh, yeah. The immediacy, even though it's the right call. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of work with VAR I, I, that has to be done, but that call, I mean, it has everyone talking and, you know, I, I had a discussion with someone on, on, on social media as well. And they said, look, uh, Mule is jumping up to try and hit it. And I go, I get that. And I, I imagine as a goalkeeper, even in your peripheral vision, you see that. But my goodness, I, that is to take that away. Is, it feels criminal because it was such a beautiful mm. strike. The goalkeeper was looking at it the whole time. I don't, maybe the referee can't see it, but VAR, you should be able to determine that. And I just hope like some common sense would come out and go, I can't take that away. It would be it would be cruel punishment uh, to to do that. But I don't know. What do you guys think? As I heard you guys discussing, Eric, I'm curious Eric, what size you are. Eric, do you want to go first? <laughs> so so I think it's you know I I'm using you know speaking of loose, I'm using the word criminal or uh, criminally poor call uh, loosely here uh, in footballing terms because it is such a fantastic goal and because it doesn't uh, it doesn't sort of fill if um, follow the spirit of the game. And, you know, uh, all three of us have had meetings or have sat in meetings that were led by Howard Webb, who's now departed for the Premier League. And he often spoke about the nuance of the game and the spirit of, of the law or the spirit of the game. And I think that was a perfect situation where the spirit of the game and the nuance of the game weren't taken into account. But even when you look at the rule, and I'm going to paraphrase here, the, the deliberate action towards the ball uh, from a player is what can cancel out one of those goals. But it has the word close if a player is close to the play. Mule was nowhere near that ball, right? He would have to be Yao Ming to reach it. And I don't even think Yao Ming could have could have gotten his head on, on that one. So Yao that's Ming number would've. one. Yao Ming would have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yao Ming actually would have. He's just an enormous <laughs> said Andrada was it Andrada yeah Andrada yes. was already you know flying through the air his eyes locked in on that shot so it had absolutely no influence on the play so I thought it was a really really poor decision from the referee and then what he did in the second half was because you didn't hear the Rayados fans complain about that goal getting chalked off but you heard a lot about the penalty that uh, that wasn't called McNaughton's foul in the second half, which was clearly a makeup call. And, and the wow. reason he gets away with it, the reason he gets away with it <laughs> Max said, is, wow. because, is because, you know, whether it's, it, I, I'm not suggesting that it was you, an intentional makeup call. Point. If I you look at VAR, you've got to give that. You've got you to give that. But it's soft enough. It's soft enough to leave a little bit of gray where you can say, you know what? It's not clear and obvious. So I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting that the referee intentionally levels the the scoreline, if you will. But I think there is something subconscious, and we've seen this from referees in all competitions. So this isn't necessarily shedding a limelight on this particular referee. This is just something we see all the time. And you hear commentators say it on air. That was one of those where he's trying to balance the scales. <laughs> all right, so I'll go now. So. So when it, when it I like how you've already, has already established this argument prior to this podcast. So Eric, Eric knows what Eric knows what I'm going to say as well. So when it first happened, I've sent Eric a Eric a text saying, "Wow, I can't believe they've disallowed that goal." And then I saw it again, and then I'm like, "Oh, Mule actually jumps." I didn't know he yeah. was. I thought he was further away at first. Mule actually jumps, so that means he feels that he had he was close enough to feel that he could jump for the ball. And then I actually realized the way the ball's gone and how Mule's jumping, that can affect the keeper. It didn't necessarily affect this keeper that time, but because it could affect a keeper, you have to rule all of them the same if that's the rule, because we can't figure out if the keeper's necessarily been affected going down the line. So then when I watched it again, I said to Eric, I'm not as mad at the call because don't be offside. Like, 
Just don't be offside there. Like you're running offside and it could affect the keeper. So now it all has to be ruled the same. So I, I had a little bit more sympathy for the refs when I saw it again. And Mule was a lot closer than I first thought. But it, the keeper's not saving it regardless. And I don't think that we're allowed to take that into account with how the rule goes. Because next time we'll say, oh, did the, did he affect the keeper or didn't? Everything has to be ruled the same now. It just And I said to Eric, I even went as far as this. The price is so expensive to be offside like that, that players now have to be like, let me not get in any way of the goal when shots are coming in. Just run out of that area if you're going to be in front because that was a semi-final goal ruled out for something that, you know, mules just running. We got to be aware now. That, that's, that's the rule. We have to adjust to the rule now. So, you know, I wasn't as mad at it after I feel for the ref a little bit now because he's get, probably getting a bit slower. <laughs> oh, an and the makeup. The that's makeup an excellent call. counterpoint, Lloyd. Oh, what about the makeup call? call? It's be a penalty for me. And, and I, again, I agree with Eric. Could have been a bit of an equalizer where it's like, you know what? That got chalked off. So I'm not going to give this. I thought that was a penalty. I think you got to give that. Like, why is that not given? Like, it, a player gets in front and he's fouled the player. It, it, there's nothing much to discuss there, you know. Maybe he's like, oh, it's a soft one because of how it comes about. But a foul is a foul. So, um, yeah, it, it's a tough job to referee. Yeah. Like me and Eric, it we is. always go back and forth with referee decisions. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And, and, and you know, I actually think that Lloyd is, out of all the the analysts that I've worked with or, or heard, he's the fairest on the referees because he does mention Aww. at least at least once a game. <laughs> It's a job I wouldn't want to do. And, you know, I'm not going to criticize that decision. You know, it's so, uh, tough. Some people, it's so tough. It is. Some people would say that he sits on the fence, which, let's be honest, he maybe he is. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man. That, I'm a habitual that's fence the, sitter. The, the mule one is not on the fence, though. I'm no, actually, no, no. A lot no, of the time no, I am. Yeah, yeah. But a lot just, of the time I, just, I am on the fence. But let me just add something. You know, all, you know when you look at laws like – offside and or you know even penalties every law essentially essentially actually i shouldn't mention offside because that's the one that doesn't count if you use the lines correctly there is an amount of subjectivity that goes into it but insofar as subjective is concerned i think this is one of the laws that needs the most refining in the game and funny enough lloyd and i were on the call for two games in the league's cup where two goals were disallowed um mm -hmm. one involving charlotte where Arfield scores a goal against Dallas and Shudersky is clearly in the way and he actually ducks, well ruled off. And then we had another one also involving Charlotte, but it was Nicaxa that scored. Um, mm. It was a shot from a center back, but Batista, the center, Gutierrez, the center back, but Batista was in the line of sight of Christian Kalina. And you actually see Christian Kalina sort of... Um, stutter step a little bit because of Batista's involvement. So, the, so those were quite obvious. But when, when we're talking about ones like this one or the one that Messi scores against Dallas where Joseph Martinez is clearly offside within the, the line of sight of the goalkeeper, uh, Martin yeah. Paz, but doesn't affect him, I thought that was a, it was correct when they decided that that one should stand. But this is was one he in of line those of sight or was he, was he on the outside or inside I mean, of that? He was he was right next he was next to the post I think peripherally well, on the outside of it yeah yeah but okay. you can't you can see him but it's not involving it doesn't affect the shot so mm -hmm. I just think that it's one that, that the referees need to get together and just you know flesh out the rule a little bit more if you will and the rule it's, could be if you're offside it's just disallowed that that would be the easiest way because I'm glad you brought oh, up that man. one with, with Martinez because that one. Again, I would have said it didn't bother the keeper. I would have said last night didn't. And then, now it's just like if you're in that six-yard box area and you're in, beyond the defense, it should just be offside now because it's going to be too hard to na now know if the keeper been bothered. Has or, the or the complete opposite, which is what, what it had been for, for, for millennia, <laughs> which is yeah. that if the guy doesn't touch the ball, if he's offside and he doesn't touch the ball, Oh well, the goalkeeper's sightline got blocked. Whatever, yeah. that's just the nature of the game, you know. So I think you could go both ways on that one. Perhaps it's easier. My Which way would you guys easier. choose? 
Which well, guys would you guys choose? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, I think to, to the point where someone is, if anyone's offside, it's going to be called offside. And even in the mule situation, it's, I mean, we, to your point, you said, uh, Lloyd, he goes, these players are going to have to change their runs. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that because intrinsically they're going, I'm going after this. I don't know if this is a shot or a cross. I, I don't, it'll be weird to see. We're like, don't go in there because he might hit this around <laughs> there. I, I, I just, it's crazy I, on the refereeing situation. And, you know, some people brought this up with that decision with Onana for Manchester United is his penalty wasn't called is VAR looking at these things. And for lack of a better way to say it, to say, are they looking out for the referees in some ways? Um, if it's a, if it's a, 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 that one's a little bit extreme, but there are some calls where it was, for instance, if it was called, um, a handball or a slightly offside there. And, and you could see on the VAR that it's, it could be interpreted as the opposite. If it's too close, they don't reverse it. And uh, it's, it's, it's messy in, in, in many ways who we'll talk about in a second, but it's, <laughs> it's messy with um, the whole, the whole process of that communication. When the VAR rings that through and says, you should look at this and they say, all right, um, uh, if you think that's a, if I don't think that's a, a penalty, but you do some, I don't know what that conversation's like, but there is a lot of stuff in that translation that uh, I would love to see fleshed out. I don't know. I, I, I would like to think the refs are looking out for each other. And if there was a, a bad situation, they're not going to, you know, uh, they're not going to rip them. Maybe the, maybe the VAR said in that uh, McNaughton foul that it's like, if it was a makeup call, it goes, I don't think there's enough there when there was, because he didn't call that a penalty on the, on the, on during right. the play. Is, do you, is that, I think there's a little bit of that at play. It's certainly in the, those decisions that are in the margins. Uh, but I wonder if it should be, it's uh, it, there's, it's an endless pot of things that we have to discuss about VAR. But you know what? You know what? Sorry to interrupt. One no, thing no, the league guys has started doing, and I think it's great, is that they're actually releasing the video and the recordings of the conversation. You know, um, and just to sort of underscore a point that you made about that sort of um, tussle for 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 power, if you will, between the VAR and and the and the central referee. You know, we were involved. Lloyd and I were involved in a game last season. Uh, where a decision, funny enough, it was one of these passive or active offside decisions on the shot um, that should have been ruled out, and it wasn't. We later heard the recording, and both the VAR and uh, AVAR, so the assistant VAR, were telling the, the center referee that goal needs to be disallowed. And Don't the referee, say the referee's name. I know I'm not going to say the referee's name, absolutely not. But, <laughs> but the referee, the referee still stood by his, her decision, um, you know, to, to, to say that it was a good goal. So I think at some points it's probably rare, Max, but I think at some points there probably is a little bit of an interpretation tussle, if you will. Whew. That's uh, Whew. that's good stuff, but there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, ground to make here. There's a lot of uh, room for improvement and, and the referees know that and they want to do it. Cause like you said, Lloyd, it's a tough job and it's been made a million times more difficult because of VAR because it's in the minute. So that's it's the so, world that so, they live in. It's so crazy that it's made it more difficult. Now you get to yeah. go and review it, slow it down, change the act. It's made it more difficult. It's, it's, it's crazy. You would have thought the opposite. I mean, look at what happened with Man United and Onana. If you saw that, uh, Yes. Days ago. Well, during the Premier League, I saw a lot of. Cra I mean, there was. A, I was watching the highlights of Brighton and who did they play? Oh, a uh, Luton Town. Luton and Town. Yeah. It was a 15 minutes. Those Premier League highlight packages. Almost every play was something that involved a referee, and he was overwhelmed, <laughs> and it was really uncomfortable to watch. It's like almost every call felt like it was in the margins or wrong. And I was like, oh, this can't goodness. be. It was all. It's all over the place. It didn't used the to be athletic. this way. Yeah, The Athletic had a really good uh, write-up uh, about Premier League referees and VAR and everything that goes on about a, a couple of months ago that I, I suggest anybody who's listening to this this podcast should, should read because it really does um, it really does open your eyes uh, to a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes that are difficult to manage and are still being sort of fleshed out a little bit. So 
it's a learning curve. It's still, we're still on that learning curve and it's going to, I'm like you, Max, I'm, I'm a proponent of the technology. I think it's only going to get better. And I think there's far less controversy than all the decisions that are uh, correctly uh, adjudicated. I shouldn't have brought up uh, officiating because we, we could go on for four yeah, hours. Yeah. So I, I did want to talk about Messi, which was we, we, we buried the lead oh. here. And I want to talk about the good and the bad about it. I mean, uh, the, per, the perception, obviously, of uh, MLS and the, the, the defenders and how that applies in the big picture of former Messi opponents and how that looks and how dominant he has been. And it surprised me in many ways. And I want to hear what you guys say. How I mean, because, you know, Wayne Rooney's getting grilled now because he said it was going to be very difficult and i agreed with him and it has not been <laughs> difficult at all nine goals in six games not only the goals but making his teammates better making everyone better on that field having defenders defenses terrorized where to me it looks like they may never lose i know they will but it looks <laughs> like they're never going to lose i mean i i, I am and this is no disrespect against messi i thought there would be uh a few weeks I, I thought they could probably get out of the groups um but i would thought it'd be a few weeks before he'd really get I immersed maybe he wanted a little yeah. time off kind of like zlatan or beckham before none of that and every every we've seen what's happened with robert taylor we've seen what's happened with joseph martinez joseph martinez is the luckiest man in mls his career was off the rails and now he's <laughs> being you know yeah. celebrated again and then the, he, he was given those Given those two penalties to go and score, Messi could have had eleven. He's given two penalties to Martinez. It's it's actually crazy. How I mean, were you guys surprised? I mean, was it? Or were we supposed to expect this? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, Rooney said what he said, and I agree. It's not easy to play in Miami. I played in Miami for two years, and I was towards the end of my career. I was yeah. 34, 35. And I would normally play 70 minutes and then come off. Messi is playing 90s. And last minutes. night's game, last, do you know how hard that is to play when you're 35, 36? Like when I would sometimes play the 90 if I would. So let me give a little context. I was at Miami FC and we were one of the better teams in the league. So it, I could afford to be on till the 70th minute and would be normally winning. Then I come off. If we weren't winning, sometimes the manager, Paul Douglas, would say, look, I need you for 90. And I would always feel the 90 and be like, oh, 90 is so different to 70. Like that extra, <laughs> like Messi, Messi is in Miami playing 90s after having a break. Like he's just gone straight into it. Like I, it's just his fitness, Busquets' fitness. Like what did they do to get, like they've really took this seriously. Then there's Tata Martino. You've got to include him in there. Like, what has he done? Because the defense is playing better as well. Drake Callender's playing well. As you said, he's made everybody playing better, play better. He's... And yesterday, I didn't think that he was necessarily a menace, right? All no, game. he had less than 50 touches. And, and, and there wasn't many, like, big moments apart from, you know, his goal where he shoots from 30 yards out and scores. It's just like, come on, man. I don't know what's going on out here, man. Like, how is this happening where he's just took it by the scruff of the neck? I, what's to come when MLS season comes back now? Because I'm like, is that going to continue? Oh, man. It's, 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 what we're watching, I think we're kind of taking for granted, even though we're not taking it for granted. This is just... <laughs> it's it's just another T-shirt you just printed right there. <laughs> you know... You, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to Ray Hudson on, on this uh, before I, I I sort of take a, a, another side of the argument. Ray Hudson said on his Sirius XM show, "What did you expect? This is a guy who you know dragged his sides to a World Cup win six months ago, seven months ago. This is a guy who has broken every single goal scoring record, uh, almost all of them." Cristiano Ronaldo has one or, or, or two. Um, this is the guy who has, you know, created magic that we rarely see on, on, on the football field. And he's come to MLS and he's done it here, which is true. But we're very fortunate to have it on this podcast somebody who has played in both the FA Cup as well as the U.S. Open Cup. And there is a different okay. mentality, Lloyd will tell you, in cup play. So I think we'll see something a little bit different in league play because in league play, some might argue, look, 
the Good playoffs are, are way beyond reach, and that changes the mentality of a team where here it's, look, knockout football, we get it done in 90 minutes. And, and I'll add to that the fact that they should have lost in Dallas. That was a complete implosion. I mean, yes. Farfan's own goal will be replayed for generations to come. None because of this nobody happens will, otherwise. Right. We, we'll never understand what happened there. I think he's still trying to figure it out. And he had a fantastic game that game. Uh, Farfan was exceptional in that game. Dallas were the better team. They couldn't put their chances away. They scored, should have scored five or six. Uh, then you have a, a game against uh, Charlotte FC. Was it Charlotte FC after that? Uh, or am I missing one? Where Charlotte, it seemed, had to, had to um, change their tactics in order to, to deal with Messi. And we saw the same thing in Philadelphia. It's almost mm. as if coaches who have a specific plan set it aside in order to 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 limit what Messi does but I think history will tell you that it's almost impossible to limit what he does and so we saw Philadelphia in the first half that was unrecognizable you know didn't play with two strikers played with three center backs I know they've done it before this season but they've never played at their best in that system and then they reverted to it in the second half and the game changed the balance of the game changed of course it's won by that point Miami took the foot off the gas. So I guess what I'm trying to say, let me try and let me encapsulate this. When you're talking about a game and a league of parity, it takes exceptional players or exceptional talents to, to tilt the scales. Messi has done that. But let's not change the narrative that some of these teams have allowed Inter Miami off the hook. And, right. I, and I think Dallas was one and Philadelphia was another one. Let's see what happens in Nashville, but there it's is no doubt that when you have it's too, it's too many games, too many games. when you, you have Messi and you have you Busquets, just give credit. You give credit of course, now. They're in the yes. they change the game. They change the game. And Tata Martino, last point. Tata Martino also cannot be overlooked here. The organization that he's brought to this team in so little time, the adaptation of all these players. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job as well. We saw what he did in Atlanta. Well, you you touched on this. Will be the final point because this has been an awesome conversation, guys. Is so the highlights that you see, they feel they're preventable. There is the viral one with Charlotte. You know, the game was already over where Messi just jogs into position and taps the ball in four yards out. Nobody even looked over at him. It was stunning. The Philadelphia goal, he's 30 yards out. Martinez and Glesnes are right next to him. They can make a play. They just watch him. And then Andre Blake is had his worst game I've ever seen him play. And, but is, I mean, is that the messy effect? I have to believe that the defending <laughs> is going to get better. Is, yeah. Maybe it's not. Maybe there is, maybe he is a wizard and he puts this magic dust and everyone freezes. Cause I've never, I haven't seen these defenders play that way. The Charlotte one was crazy. We saw it with uh, early on in this tournament against Atlanta and then certainly against Philadelphia. Mm. The one time he really was in a menacing position, they just let him shoot it. Is that going to be alleviated or is this? Yeah, but, this way but Max, looks? that was over 30 yards away from goal, right? Even if Blake isn't perfectly positioned, it takes an exceptional talent, an exceptional generational player to get that ball in the corner. So I know that people were, you know, Blake had a terrible game. I'm talking about that specific goal from 30 yards out. Yeah. You can have a goalkeeper out of position, but how many players take that shot? It ends up in the stands or it goes out for a throw. He hit it exactly yeah. where he had to hit it. Maybe that's it. It freaks people out. It's like, wait, wait. Blake, Blake did have a, he did have a really bad game. He did have a really bad game. But look at the goal that Jordi Alba scored. If you if you go and watch that goal again, Robert Taylor has it. Everybody knows it's going to Messi. I'm even looking for Messi. Um, <laughs> Martinez runs to Messi. And Flock runs to Messi. Everybody's looking at the same guy. Jordi Alba has just, you know, he's running towards goal. And no one, that's a messy effect there. Yes. Well, in, in the end, obviously, we, we did talk about Blake. There has been bad defending. I'm not going to say that. But you don't win 4-1 away from home. And, yes. and, and, and it's completely luck. You know, Against that, that, the best team in the that, conference. That just doesn't happen. Like, in my years playing football, I've never won four-one away from home, and it's been luck. <laughs> there's been some clinical finishing. There's been something. Andre Blake weren't right, but Martinez. I love the way he hits that. I love the way he strikes that first ball. I don't know why Blake is not ready, but I might not score that. Like that, 
even with Blake not being ready, I might not hit it that well first time. So it's like, I'm, I've also given credit to some of the man. It's just been too many games where they're doing it. And it's like, yeah. we can't always put our finger on what it is. The Dallas game should have been out of sight. 4-2, it should have been out of sight. As Eric said, Dallas should have won. But they didn't. How did these, <laughs> they didn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but they didn't. Messi scores an unbelievable free kick in the last yeah. and they, but they And they minute. can see the free kick, which had nothing to do with Messi. It was just a horrible challenge. It's like, what are you doing? But that's, that yeah. is, that, I, but uh, to your point, that's something that grabs these players <laughs> when they're on the field with Messi that I can't, or none of us can really can relate to, but I'm, you're in that yeah. situation. And Dallas flinched, as so many did. Uh, guys, that's an amazing conversation. And maybe the point is like, when you cover Messi, Alba's open. If you don't cover Messi, he's going to score. Damned if you do. Damned if you don't. So <laughs> let's enjoy it. Eric Krakauer, Lloyd Sam. Uh, with Apple TV. Check them out. A fantastic pairing. Individually, they're great. You can also see with all the content that they do around Charlotte FC. Thanks for jumping in the business end on the Soccer OG, gentlemen. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you, Max, man. Anytime, man. We'll come back again. You just let us know. We'll bring the League MX fans next time. We'll have a real powwow. We'll be back with stoppage time here after a couple of moments. Enjoy the rest of your summer, gents. now for stoppage time i'm a few days late to the game here but i wanted to discuss moises caicedo he is a player i've been tracking for several years and to see what has happened with him has filled me with so much joy to see where he has come from and where he has gone and where he has or where he is going i will start by saying that you know doing Copa Libertadores I'm not doing them now but I was doing them in 2019 2020 2021 I used to do the tournament a lot so it's very near and dear to me to see the club competition in South America that's how I fell in love with this sport covering football argentino I did a game every week that expanded to Copa Sud Copa Libertadores uh, Copa Mustang as it was known in Colombia the Brasileiro and seeing these big South American clubs there player culture, their supporter culture, which the supporter culture uh, has, you know, be, become a worldwide phenomenon. Here in MLS and Liga MX, we feed off of that. That is our example. And that's a great thing. So South America is very near to, dear to me. I saw Moises Caicedo start to play with Independiente del Valle, which is a, a, I wouldn't say a small Ecuadorian club, but it's not one with a huge history compared to the other big Ecuadorian clubs like Emelec. Um, Good ownership, a great vision, uh, developing players, and Moises Caicedo was the jewel. And in 2020, I was watching him play for Ecuador and playing 90 minutes and owning games. And I, I'm not going to say I, I told you, that, but, but I, even back then, I was like, this is a special player because I just because I saw him. And he at 18, he played like a 25-year-old. You know, you don't say that about a lot of players, especially a guy from a very poor part of Ecuador. Now, look, from what I understand in Ecuador, that this is a country uh, developing, and certainly in sports, we're seeing that. Their league's getting better. Their national team's getting better. Um, but from what I've had these conversations with Ecuadorian people, and I want to go visit there, they have a... Uh, I mean, there is a, there, there's a, a... There's a huge black community, and there's race... There's so much segregation... There, that you know, the black community lives here, and the the white or mixed community lives somewhere else. It's it's weird, so it's very difficult, as it is in many places, as a black athlete coming from uh, poor neighborhoods to get any traction. Um, from what I was told, and this is just information I was passed on by people that I respect a lot, it's even harder in Ecuador. So the fact that Moises Caicedo here is uh, is almost impossible to even fathom. And the fact that he is the British transfer record is even more stunning. So before I get into how much I, 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 I'm I smitten with this player and I've endeared myself to him, obviously his transfer is putting a bad taste in the mouth of people because of how it occurred. You know, everyone wanted him for the last year. Uh, let's go back a little further. Brighton and Hove Albion... Uh, Bought him in 2021 for $5 million. 
They did something, because uh, when, when they brought him, I was so frustrated because he wouldn't play. He would play with the reserves. This was their plan. And this is why Brighton is head and shoulders above. They sold him. They won their game 4-1. They're going to be in the Premier League a long time because they do it the right way. They had Graham Potter. They moved on. Deserby has taken over, and they're even, even better as a team. So Brighton really knows what they're doing. They're on that top percent, the top five clubs in uh, how they do their business worldwide. Everyone included. I put them there. So they tucked him on the reserves. He played for the reserves for a year. And then when they thought he was ready, he went to the first team and he dominated. He became just absolutely massive in what he has been able to accomplish. He uh, was he um, was an everyday player. And then his price started going up and up. Now, when Brighton bought him, there were some clubs. I know Manchester United, they were interested in bringing him in for $5 million. I mean, now it's $150 million. For $5 million would have made a lot of sense, no, to see this guy moving on up in, this, uh, in, in the way that he was doing it. Um, Major League Soccer made a bid for him. I think it was Atlanta United. Can you imagine if he came here? So this was a talent that people knew about two years ago, yet everyone sat. Brighton built him up. Then he became the superstar player where everyone had him. And the bids came in from multiple clubs. Chelsea was at the top there. Chelsea was pushing the hardest. So as it went on a little further, uh, in a few few weeks ago, Brighton basically said, we're going to have an auction. You give us our best bids and we will accept the right one. We'll accept the one that is the highest. Uh, Liverpool had the highest bid. It looked like he was heading to Liverpool, and then uh, Caicedo, you know, squashed that and says he wanted to go to Chelsea. And then you saw this incredible Chelsea video where he had the Chelsea shirt sitting with his mom in a rickety old car in Ecuador. That was a club he always wanted to go to. And in the video, check it out on Chelsea's social media. It's really touching. In the video, he he says, it, it, Chelsea say it was always meant to be, which is great. <laughs> The means of doing it certainly would take a little of the romance off, I think. So, you know, Liverpool are up in arms. And Chelsea, who just spent a billion dollars the summer before, are now dropping money and they brought in uh, uh, Lavia at Southampton. So they're bringing in these players and you're wondering where this money's coming from. So people are up in arms about financial fair play. They feel it's gone out the window. And this Moises Caicedo transfer is the latest example of it. And they probably are right. Because this is, the money is crazy. Especially for a player who is not a number 10, who is not a goal-scoring forward, who is not this magical, <clears throat> creative player. Uh, but he is a player that in the modern game, everybody needs. And that's how desperate Liverpool wanted, because they need someone like this. Chelsea needed someone like this because of the way they wanted to play. They want to play with a double pivot. They have Enzo Fernandez. And I'm very excited about the idea of Fernandez and Caicedo playing in that position where they do everything. They win possession. They track back. They support. They possess. They can dribble. They can distribute. Short ball, long ball. And they can get even to when you want to rush numbers up and attack. Um, it's Every team wants that. And look, I mean, right now you look at Liverpool and their season is probably going to collapse because they don't have that player. I think they have Alex Mac Alexis McAllister, former teammate of Caicedo, playing that role. It's going to collapse Liverpool's season. It may see the end of Jurgen Klopp. So this is how big this move was and how disappointed Liverpool must be. But he wanted to go to Chelsea. So financial fair play will run its course. Chelsea are spending too much money. It is crazy what's going on. They sign him, like many others, to these 10-year deals so that they can... Uh, they can spread the money out. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little sneaky. It's plenty sneaky, but it's what they're doing. Uh, but this was a guy they really identified. And I think he's going to be the guy that puts a lot of wind back in the season, in the, in the, the clubs, uh, in Chelsea's sales, pardon me. So that is what is at play here. And that's why you're having a lot of conversations. But Moises Caicedo is someone that everyone could have had. He, credit to Brighton, he did everything to become a player that uh, is the embodiment of a modern player. And he did it being a kid 
with nothing on dirt fields and rocks in Santo Domingo, Ecuador, and now has turned into this. Is that not the most romantic thing you've heard? I know money's at play. He's going to be very wealthy, but he is a pipeline. And, you know, I work at LAFC where I've seen a couple. I, we work with some young LA, uh, Ecuadorian players. What an inspiration he is to them, to the Colombian players, to Venezuelan players, to Peruvian players, to, shoot, Brazilian players, to see what he can do. To play a position that on the surface seems easy in comparison, right? He's not doing these taquitos and nutmegs. It's a very straightforward role. And you would figure, why can't everyone play this way? Because look at the price. Because they just the same kind of player, Enzo Fernandez, was a hundred and some million. And now this, these are becoming the most important players out there. And you know why? Because there's so few of them that play at this level. You can count them on a few hands. Chuameni at Real Madrid. Um, Valverde, some people say, but he's not really like that. Uh, there's just not enough of these guys that are six-tool midfielders. Box-to-box. Box. I mean, none of these designations do it justice with what Caicedo can do when you watch him play. So I encourage you to watch him play and think about the journey that he was on. In a couple years, he's 21, to go from dirt fields of Ecuador to playing in West London for the club that he dreamt about as a kid and setting the British transfer record in the history of the English game. Nobody is more expensive. I'm sure that's going to change in a few months. But as it stands, nobody has been more valuable, not Harry Kane, not anyone, not <laughs> the law. I mean, if Neymar went to British, he didn't go to Britain or the English Premier League. They, none of these guys have, there have been more expensive players, Neymar to PSG, but no one has drawn a bigger transfer than that in Britain, in the English Premier League, in the English game. And it is a 21-year-old kid deep-lying midfielder pivot from Ecuador who did it. That is pretty special. And I, uh, I love the story, and I can't, keep, can't wait to continue watching it develop. The Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I really loved it. Having a chat with, like we're at a bar with a couple guys. I hope you enjoyed that with Eric Krakauer and Lloyd Sam. We'll be back next week. More topics will come up. Bet your bottom dollar. Until we meet again, everybody, Placido Domingo.